of you are so rattled because you're wondering, is what this season of my life? This is not happening in my life. And I wonder why this isn't taking place here. And this is all taking place here. God says, wait. Your confidence and my confidence begins not with my self-perception, okay? Let me begin with me. It begins with God. Have you taken time recently to think about how God has blessed you? When you do, you'll find that his unfailing track record in your life gives confidence that he knows what's best for you. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Crawford Loritz. We're in a series of messages Crawford has titled, Rock Solid Confidence. Hope you can stay with us as today we study Christ Our Confidence. If you're new to our broadcast, Crawford has been teaching and sharing the Word of God for over 50 years. He's served as a pastor, conference speaker, and seminary professor. He's the author of the newly updated Leadership as an Identity. He's also written Unshaken, and one he co-wrote with his wife Karen called Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. The messages we feature each week come from Crawford's 15 years as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. He retired from fellowship a few years ago and now heads a Christian leadership mentoring program called Beyond Our Generation. Our text today comes from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Let's join Crawford now. Here he is on Living a Legacy. This is the third installment in our series on confidence, rock-solid confidence. You recall that I began by defining confidence and went to Romans chapter 4 that confidence really is enduring faith. That's what we mean by confidence. But I need to clear up something that there's a difference between what the Bible talks about confidence and what we typically talk about confidence. Uh, We talk about confidence as it's related to our self-esteem. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, It's sort of a horizontal relative confidence. If we get more successes and failures, and when you go through dark times, you look at those successes, and that bolsters your sense of well-being. Well, when the Bible talks about confidence, it really does not talk about what we bring to the table. When the Bible talks about confidence, it talks about God's unfailing track record in our growth and development. That's a different thing. And so, as I'm focusing on confidence, it's not so much our ability to believe in ourselves. It's our ability to embrace and believe God in terms of his consistency in our lives. And so, that's why I shared last week the relationship between confidence and memory. That God is always calling us back to remember what he has done, not necessarily what we have accomplished. It's his unfailing track record in our lives that gives us rock-solid confidence in him. I want to talk about the foundation and source of our confidence. Well, simply stated, the title of the message is Christ, Our Confidence. A few days ago, uh, I was talking to this this young man. He's married and has two small kids, and he told me this story that just touched my heart. It moved me deeply. He actually was telling me the story about how he taught his young, young son how to float. His young son, he's like three and a half, four years old, and he said, he said, Crawford, I just took him in my arms and went into the water, and he was a little bit afraid of the water, but we walked into the pool together. He said, I said to him, honey, um, do you trust me? You trust daddy? Yes, I trust daddy. You trust me? Yes, I trust daddy. Okay, now what I'm going to do is that I, I am going to 
I want you to lean back and relax, okay? And I'm going to put my hand under your back near your bottom, okay? And Daddy has you. And so you just lean back and relax. And then he told me this. This really got me. He said, Crawford, you know what he said as he was leaning back? As he was leaning back, he kept saying, I trust you, Daddy. I trust you, Daddy. I trust you, Daddy. I trust you. And that's something. I trust you, Daddy. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I trust you, Daddy. I trust you, Daddy. I trust you, Daddy. How do you get there? I mean, how do you, how do you really get there? I'm not talking about a theological framework and Bible verses and memorizing the book of Philippians and all the promises of God. That's up here. But how do you get there? How do you get there? How do you get to that point where you lean back? You actually do it. Don't, don't tell me that Christ is your confidence in a theoretical sense. How does he become our real confidence? Look at Philippians chapter 4 real quickly. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be both uh, brought low and I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now, here's a line. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How, 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 how do you do that? How do you get there? How did Paul get there? By the way, he writes the book of Philippians, this letter. And the, the, the passage I just read to you is the reason why he wrote the book. The reason why he wrote the book is that it's a personal thank you note to the church at Philippi that it sent him a gift. He was in a Roman jail. Now, there's some controversy. Some say that he was under house arrest. I don't agree with that. I take the, the popular view, the broader view, that he was in a Roman prison. And he was chained to imperial guards. What another house arrest. But nevertheless, whatever you want to call it, he, he's going through a rough time. So he writes the letter for two reasons as you read through the letter. He writes the letter, number one, to thank them for the gift that they had sent to him, but also to answer the question, Paul, how you doing, buddy? How you doing, man? We, we know about Roman imprisonment. How are you doing? And Paul says, he didn't say I'm doing fine. If you read the book of Philippians, this letter, he didn't say I'm doing fine. He says, I'm doing great. And yet when you look at his circumstances, you go, oh, come on, man. You, you, are being, you, you, have, 
you don't have a good self-perception of where you are and what's going around, on around you, man. You're living in denial. No, he's not. And I want to suggest to you that Paul gives us from his personal testimony, he gives us the five decisions that we have to make if Christ is going to be our confidence. Now, see, this is where, now listen to me, listen to me, this is where I'm having a hard time communicating here. We live in the Western world where the will has been taken away from things, and all things spiritual has to do with involuntary responses, emotional responses. In other words, most people think that, you know, I just wake up one morning and I feel Jesus all around me and I'm confident. <laughs> That's not the way it works. Confidence is a decision. It's a decision. In fact, it's a decision of progressive choices we will see here. Let me give you the five decisions and I think these decisions, I would argue, are sequential as you move through the book of Philippians. The first decision is this, you start with Christ. The second decision is, is that you surrender to Christ. The third decision is that you serve like Christ. The fourth decision is that you are satisfied in Christ and with Christ. And the fifth decision is that you are sustained by Christ. Admittedly, the fifth one is more the outcome of the other four. And I'm not trying to play mind games with you, but I think this is masterful. The way he wanders through the book and Paul talks about his choices so he can celebrate at the end of the book by saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you look at what takes place prior to that declaration, you understand he's not living in denial. But his confidence is real and rugged, genuine. And test it. First of all, we start with Christ. Go all the way back to chapter 1, verse 6. For those Bible scholars here, admittedly, this is not a choice that Paul said that he is making, but it is a choice that is implied and assumed that he has made, and he's calling the church at, at Philippi to make this decision. He says in verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe the New American Standard Version says, being confident of this very thing, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will accomplish it. He's going to finish it. He's going to complete it. Now, here's the big principle that I want us to take from this. Paul starts off the letter by saying this. Okay, well, you, you need to make up your minds about something. What you have to make up your mind about is this. Whatever God starts, he finishes. You, you need to know, you really need to get your heart and mind around that, that whatever God starts, he always finishes. God never gets an incomplete. He always finishes what he starts. Now, in all fairness, there are two views on this verse here, and, I, and you know the text allows for both views. And I think sometimes when there are two views to be taken, well, maybe God meant for you to take it two ways. One view, and I tend to tilt toward this, is that he's talking about our personal relationship with Christ. That he who began a good work in you will continue to do that work in you and will not abandon you until he literally ushers us into the very presence of God. And for those of you who have yet to say yes to Jesus Christ, I want you to know something. 
Your relationship with Christ will not depend upon you. The only thing that you have to do right now is say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and life, and he will forgive you of your sin. He will work on your life to remove those addictions and those habit patterns and those issues in your life. He will give you the person of the Holy Spirit to lead your life. You'll begin to pray with effectiveness because you belong to him. You are his child. And God will do whatever needs to be done in and through your life. So if he begins a work in you, he's going to complete it. Now, I also think it's true, and one scholar points this out. And man, in fact, the man who taught me the book of Philippians took this view, that, that really what Paul is talking about is the work there at Philippi. That he who began the good work through you is going to complete it. I also believe that's true. That what God has for you, you don't have to be jealous. You don't have to be envious. You don't have to compare yourself with anybody else. You don't have to look out the rearview mirrors or side mirrors. What God has for you, he is going to accomplish. And I got to tell you something. Listen to me, fellowship. This verse has helped me so much with comparison in my earlier life and early in my ministry and, 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 and you know, being jealous of other people, wondering if this stuff is going to happen on time. God has taught me through this and some painful experiences. Look what God has for me. No mortal being can take. And what he has for you, no mortal being can take. God is going to finish what he starts. You understand me? It's like you've got divine secret service agents around you. And you need to hear that. Some of you are so rattled because you're wondering, is what this season of my life? This is not happening in my life. And I wonder why this isn't taking place here. And this is all taking place here. You know the odds against me. This is the most important God says, wait. Did I start working you? Your confidence and my confidence begins not with my self-perception, okay? Doesn't begin with me. Begins with God. I trust you, Daddy. I trust you, Daddy. I trust you, Daddy. I trust you, Daddy. I'm not going to let you drown. Now, I always finish what I start, even if you screw up. That's right. I still finish what I start. Secondly, second decision. It starts with Christ, but number two, there's the decision to surrender to Christ. Now, I'm summarizing. You, you, you need to read verses 12 uh, through 19. But I want to drill down to verses 20 and 21. In order to understand verses 20 and 21, you have to understand that Paul gives a description to them. He says, I'm in prison. Okay, you've been asking me how I'm doing, how I'm doing, how I'm doing, okay? And how can you put up with this, Paul? How can you put up being locked up? How can you put up with the criticism? How can you put up with the confinement there? I mean, how, how can you put up with this? And you say, you're not only doing fine, but you're doing great. Why? Why? They're hurting you, Paul. They're talking about you, Paul. You didn't do anything wrong to be there. Talk to me, man. How can you do this? He does this because surrender to Christ was not theoretical to Paul. Listen, listen to what he says uh, for framing purposes, verse 19, but I want to get to verse 20 and 21. He says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Here you have it. Now pay attention. 
as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. Okay, here's the line. But that with full courage, now as always, notice the decision, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. You hear the choice. This surrender, this surrendered life is buttressed by this Christ-honoring decision. The word honor there, I, I wish they would have literally translated it. Is, it, it means to make great. And you see the subordination of everything in his life to the greatness of Jesus Christ. Don't miss that. Our confliction with, with Christ being our confidence is a, for a refusal to subordinate everything in our lives to the Lordship of Jesus. And the reason why you're rattled with your situation is not that the situation rattles you, it's that you're trying to hold on to too much stuff. And when, when Jesus becomes everything, you let go. I trust you, Daddy. I trust you, Daddy. I trust you, Daddy. He's great. I believe over 70% of Christians go on to heaven without having made that decision. By life or by death, no matter what, I'm going to honor Jesus. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to remove the things in my life that would detract or distract me from the greatness of Jesus Christ. I love what Dr. Marie Henry Kern, she's a professor at Oxford University in England. Uh, she makes this observation. She said, all of us need to order our lives around the rhythm of our relationship with God. I love that. In other words, what she's saying is this, that our relationship with God is everything, and everything in life comes under that. And we order our lives based upon this. By life or by death, Christ will be honored. And then he also says that this surrender is manifested in a single passion. Uh, you know the famous verse, verse 21 says, For to me to live is Christ. Paul redefined his life. He says, this, My life is not my life. My life is the life of Christ. Certainly he had his own personality, certainly he had his own interests, certainly he had things that he liked to do. And don't read that as saying that Paul became passive in another person. But what he's talking about is that he became a single passion person. My life is my relationship with Christ. That's what he's saying here. And you listen, I'm, I'm just pleading with you. I don't know how to say it any better. Until Jesus becomes everything to us, we will always struggle with our, with our God confidence. It is as simple as that. And Paul says, look, I'm doing well because I'm not trying to defend myself. I'm doing great because I've embraced the sovereign power and control of God. And that no matter what happens to me, if they kill me, I win. If I stay here, I win. Why? Because it's not my agenda. It's his life. I remember a few years ago, this sort of went out of style, but everywhere you turn, there were these bracelets and T-shirts and hats and bumper stickers that said WWJD. You remember those days? What would Jesus do? That ain't too bad, is it? And that's the question we need to wrestle with. 
Perhaps what would Jesus be in this situation and what would Jesus do in this situation? For to me to live is Christ and to die is again. Third decision. Third decision. Confidence is a choice. Christ being our confidence is a choice. Often God drives the decisions by turning up the heat in our lives, by taking things away from us, uh, by allowing us to be painted in a corner. But confidence is a choice. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision to start with him. You've got to make a decision to surrender with him to him. But number three, you have to make a decision, and this sounds strange, but hang in there with me. You've got to make a decision to serve like Christ, to serve like Christ. Here's the point I want to argue a little bit here is that our confidence is affected by how we approach our relationship with others. It's affected by that. That's the reason why I believe Paul gave us that, that, that tremendous couple of paragraphs in Philippians chapter 2. Now, I can't get to verses 6 through 11. That's not my point. But I want to look at verses 1 through 5 here where Paul talks about challenging us to think like Jesus and to relate to others the way Jesus related to others. And this is counterintuitive because he's calling us not to lead with our own agendas as we relate to others, not to lead and relate to others from power, not to compete with other people. Listen to these words and capture the vision of the nobility of these relationships. He says, so, there, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. I happen to believe that the illustration is what Paul wanted to get to at the very beginning, but he sets it up by describing the breakdown in dysfunctional relationships. He says, you all are tearing each other apart and going to rip each other's confidence away because of how you're relating to one another. He says that the way we relate to one another, based upon the fact that we started with Jesus, we surrendered with Jesus, this is to be demonstrated horizontally. By the way, there is no such thing as a personal relationship with Christ in the Bible. I know I use that expression. The gospel is comprehensive. If you have a personal relationship with Christ, it is to be demonstrated by having a right relationship with others. Anything less than that is an artificial Christianity. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy, looking at five decisions we must make according to Philippians chapter 4. Here they are once again. Number one, you start with Christ. Number two, you surrender to Christ. Number three, you serve like Christ. Number four, you are satisfied in and with Christ. And number five, you are sustained by Christ. Well, more about these next week. Christ, Our Confidence, the title of today's message. It's part of Crawford's series, Rock Solid Confidence. Now, to hear any of the messages so far in this series, stop by livingalegacy.org and look for the past programs link, livingalegacy.org. You can also listen on your favorite podcast site. Your emails help us know that God is using this program to help move you along in your walk with Christ. Take a moment today to jot just a very short note saying, Thank you for living a legacy. I listen regularly and God is using it in my life. That would be a tremendous encouragement to us. 
Here's the address, legacyatmoody.edu, legacyatmoody.edu. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for being with us today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.